tonight. Anybody thankful to be gathered with the body of Christ, body of believers? If I can kind of rewind the tape a little bit, talk about fundraisers and competition. I'm sorry, I am a believer in competition. I don't compete for fellowship. So for all of you that would come out for fellowship, may the Lord bless you. But there's always going to be a winner. There's always going to be a loser. And I was never fond of participant ribbons, participant trophies. You either won or you lost. And I was taught real well by my father at a young age. He didn't let us win a thing. You earned your win. And today, my children earn their win. I don't care if they're four years old. You earn the win. And so and that's why I don't come out and compete in these fundraisers, because I'm not going to win. So I've settled that. I don't even want to spectate, because there's a part of me that wants to get out and compete. So I believe in, 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 in winning. But I know that we're on the Lord's side, and with him, we've got victory. Anybody believe that tonight? I don't know if you call it instant, in season, out of season. There's been times I've been asked to preach or minister or what have you at a, at, at a later hour. And uh, the Lord might drop something in my spirit at that moment. And uh, I say, sure, yes. Well, when I saw this, actually, it was a few hours after I had received the message. And actually, my wife had called me, and I was in a meeting and called her back, said, oh, did you see the text message? Like, oh, yeah, look at that. And um, I said, all right, Lord, what do you have? I said, yes. Felt like that was the right thing to do. What do you have? Crickets. Anybody, you, you ever ask God a question, ask God for something, and he doesn't answer you on what you want? But he might give you something later that doesn't apply to that situation? Well, here we are. And um, I won't say that I'm necessarily waiting for something. I believe that the Lord has something here for tonight. And um, we'll see where he takes us with that. So at any time you feel like you need a rest, you can do that. So I don't know that I'm going to start with a text or anything, but um, we're going to jump right in here. Uh, the Bible says that two are better than one. And when we get to heaven, it won't be a solo mission. Or in other words, there won't be a one of us that gets to heaven and we're the only one there. But we're all going to be there together with the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. We will all be gathered together. Sometimes or a lot of times it's a whole lot easier to get something done with somebody. We'll ask for some honesty and transparency here tonight. How many of you feel like you work better by yourselves? Well, let's be honest. Don't come on. Yeah. The Lord knows he'll shine a light right on you if you don't raise your hand. There are just some things where it's a if you do it by yourself, you don't have to worry about the conflict of getting somebody else on board, making sure somebody else is doing what pulling their weight. You can just get it done. I remember some years back, I bought a treadmill. And I had a solo mission of getting that thing into the house in the box and getting it down to the basement. 
And when I did that and unpacked it, found out I had broken pieces in the box. And then on there it says that when you assemble, get a partner. Well, no, you know, I'm, I'm young, I'm smart, you can work it out. So I, I, I found a way to put that thing together. No power tools, yeah, and it wasn't, you couldn't use a screwdriver, you had an Allen wrench. So I, I, and you had to prop stuff up, and I, I, I learned how to do that. And I, I found over the years that although you can do something by yourself, that doesn't mean that you're supposed to. Sometimes it's just the, if I could say the, the, the principle or just the idea of being joined with somebody. Now, there are some people that if you have them working with you, the only thing that they're good for is moral support. In other words, they talk while you work. You get a good laugh out of it or whatever, but they don't do any work. But the way that God has it set up in his kingdom and, and what he's doing is he doesn't have it set up where there is any one of us that can get anything done by ourselves. If nothing else, it's God's plan that we would fall flat on our, on our faces when we try to operate in a solo mission. And if you don't believe that, try it. God didn't call any of us to get to heaven by ourselves. He didn't call us to overcome by ourselves. That's why we're a part of the body of Christ. He didn't, he, he didn't call it a, a lone ranger of Christ. We're, we're part of the body. We're all joined together. But God does have, if you want to say, laws of separation. He does have laws of division. And there are courses that we walk that aren't designed for anybody else but for us to walk. However, he does have us to stay unified with his body. You go back and if you look at the account in Genesis and look at uh, the creation, every day that God was creating, he was dividing. He was separating in order so that everything would function as it was supposed to, so that everything would operate as it's supposed to. Now, I'll tell you this, I don't mind some division and separation. As long, as long, especially in my walk with God, as that division and separation involves his hedge around me. So that in a life like Job, when Satan wants to try to touch my life, he can't because God has a hedge about me. God has a hedge about my family. God has a hedge about my possessions. I want that separation in my life. I, I would imagine that everybody in here would want to have that kind of division. I want to have a good wall set up where I've got the blessings flowing in and the adversary can't touch it. But what happens when God takes that hedge down and then allows us not to be separated from our adversary, but to be separated from everybody else? You ever wanted a word of encouragement, a word of strength, but God, it's almost like he's got you in a valley by yourself. Hoping maybe if somebody just called me, maybe if somebody just reached out to me, and it's almost like you disappeared off the face of the earth and God has separated you. Why? There is always a reason for God's division. There's always a reason for God's separation. Now, I don't know about you. That, that oftentimes, I'll, 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 I like to ask God the question, why? And yet I found out that God usually never answers that question. If you want to know why, 
There's going to day a day's going to come when you get to heaven and you'll find out every answer to every why that you ever had. But along what God does and, and part of what God's separation does is for one of them. And I'm sure that we would all want is to bear fruit. God separates us so that we can be fruitful. If we go to the book of Genesis. Chapter 13. Just before that, God called Abraham. At that time, Abram called him to leave his father's house, leave his kindred, leave and forsake everybody. And he said, go to a land that I'm going to show you. Leave it all behind, but go to where I'm going to go or or where I want you to go. And he left, but he took something with him or took someone with him. God could not bring the promise to pass unless there was total separation. We can't carry the baggage of what we want along and, and, and still expect to reap the, 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 the fruit of, of what God has for us. So in, in Genesis chapter 13, verse 1, the scripture says, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot went with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver, and in gold, and he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai. And there, this was a place of the altar in verse 4, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also which went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together for their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. And in verse seven, and there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwell then in the land. We have to be careful when God allows separation and division to come into our lives in the form of strife. Because oftentimes we pray away the strife when God ordained it. We pray away the struggle when God called for that to come because he wants a separation. Well, God, I want things to flow the right way in my life. And he says, I want them to flow the right way as well. I want them to flow according to my will. But you can't have my blessing with Lot. You can't have my blessing with what you're carrying, with your baggage. So something has to be divided. Sometimes God will allow trouble to come to our families and our homes to get some separation. Maybe our attention isn't where it needs to be. But it's amazing what some trouble can do to get our attention on God. And that's not just for the world. That's for us here in the church. We might pray all the time, but sometimes our, our focus on the Lord is a bit divided. Sometimes we are carrying around some cares, some struggles, some trials. We're trying to carry the burden of the Lord ministry. We're trying to facilitate it, make it work. And God's saying, no, I'm going to bring it all to pass. I just need you to be separated unto me. I just need you to be focused on me. So there came strife between Lot and Abraham. To the point where Abraham said, we'll do this. Don't let there be any strife between us. You go in one direction and I'll go in a different direction. 
You go this way and I'll go in a completely, in, in, in a place where there won't be any strife. And so, of course, he gave first pick and Lot chose the, 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 the well-watered land near Sodom. Abraham, after that, chose wherever God would lead him. Abraham couldn't get to where God wanted him to go carrying Lot along. Lot had too much baggage. There was too much compromise with Lot. There was too much in this world that Lot would settle for. Lot led his family to a place of Sodom. First, he set up outside of Sodom, but found himself inside the gate of Sodom. What would happen if the promise was accompanied with one that would compromise the promise? What would happen in my life if God decides I'm going to bring to fruit the promise? But then you're raising up that promise with one that is willing to settle for what the world would offer. So God says, before I bring the promise to pass, I've got to separate. I've got to divide. I've got to, I've got to make a distinction between my promise and this world. For a lot of people, separation is a, uh, can become a negative thing. But can I tell you, separation is probably one of the greatest things that God ever placed in the church. And where some kind of, you want to say, get on board or, or, or kind of get off board with it is this separation of, you want to say, holiness or this outward appearance. <laughs> that is the, that is not even as close to what God designed in holiness. And God's purity is not just what's on the outside. If anything, the, the greater part of the matter, the greater point is what's working on the inside. If my heart is towards God, if my heart is separated towards God, if, if I have a heart like David did that is focused on God, whose, whose desires are like the desires of God, God can work in that. But if, 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 if on the outside I look like I've got it right, but on the inside it's nothing but dead men's bones, God is saying something needs to change here. So where God always starts is the inside. God never starts on the outside. God doesn't desire to start on the outside. Because the outside one day is going to die and decay. But it's what's on the inside that is what's going to live for eternity. Abraham becomes separated from Lot and can then reap the blessing. But see, throughout Abraham's life, Abraham had to then further make more separation and more division because the day came where he had to let that firstborn son go. He said, well, he wasn't the promised son. No, he wasn't the promised son, but that was still his son. You see, God will always call us to give up something. God will always call us to separate from something. And I'll, I'll even say this, the greater the promise, the greater the anointing, the greater the manifestation of the power of God, sometimes the greater the separation or the stronger the relationship that I have to separate from. It's a whole lot easier to separate from, from, from something I don't care about. A whole lot easier. There, if if, if, if what it, whatever it is has no value, I'll let it go. If you don't like it, let it go. If you don't care about it, let it go. But we know God always comes for the things that we care about. God always comes for the things that we enjoy. 
I enjoy coffee. Not just one cup a day. I like a particular brand of coffee. I like it made a certain way. Whenever there's a fast, I say, Lord, please don't let me give up this coffee. Let me keep this cup of coffee. Everything else can go. Let me have my coffee. And I, I know that that's a bit simple. But for, for me, you all might, whatever you have, whatever is your candy stick, whatever is your whatever, everybody's got something that you say, Lord, please don't let me separate from that. You say, coffee? Yes, coffee. To me, it's, I've been on coffee since I was nine years old. It was decaf when I started. Sanka coffee, to be specific. But I've moved on to caffeine. And I'm sorry, mocha and all that other stuff at Starbucks is not coffee. I don't care how many shots you put in it. It's not coffee. You need that stuff that comes out black. And, yes, I like a little cream and sugar with mine. Okay, I'm sorry. I like a lot of cream and sugar. Okay, I like a little bit of coffee with my cream and a lot of sugar. I don't like going places and making coffee, you know, sitting at the table. Because I like to put sugar in my coffee. And I don't want somebody looking at me saying, man, that's a lot of sugar you're putting in there. Leave my sugar alone. You drink with you. If you want water with whatever you've got, fine. I like my, my water flavored with a lot of coffee, cream, and sugar. But for me, that's, that's valuable. What's valuable in your life in this world that God is asking for? That God's saying, if you give up, then I'll give you fruit. But this is the thing that's going to keep you from bearing fruit. This is going to, this is the thing right here that's going to hinder all that I desire to do in your life and through your life. And see, if you look at the children of Israel, they, when they were in bondage, and actually when they, when they got to Egypt, the Egyptians didn't like shepherds. Didn't like them, despised them, loathed them, did, did, did not. If you're trying to fit in with the world or any customs, traditions of the world, and you want to be a part of the body of Christ, guess what? It's not going to work. Not going to work. Never has and never will. Israel could not blend in with the world. God called them to be completely different. God has called the church to be completely different than this world. Israel, they, they, they get to Egypt and they're a bunch of shepherds and they were given a land. And after a while, the Egyptians said, let's make slaves out of them. And they caused them to be in great pain, toil, agony, and all of that for over 400 years. And then the day came where the Lord said, it's time to be released from this bondage. But in order to do so, God set up and brought about some plagues to Egypt, 10 to be exact. And for the first several plagues that came, all of Egypt experienced them. All of Egypt went through them. You know, I, it would have been kind of nice to say that in the last three years with, with what's plagued this world, not just this nation, that the church was exempt from it. 
But God did not allow the church to be exempt from the virus that went through. But I believe that God did call the church to stand out during that period of time. God did call the church to respond a little differently. God did call the church to respond in such a manner that their character, his character, could be seen in and through them. Now, I don't know about you. I did look forward to the day when that was done. Sorry, I I didn't like the mask. I know at times people wear them. I'll tell you what, the, the, for me, the mask, what it was good for. When allergy season came, I could put a mask on now. But five years ago, if I put a mask on during the spring, people would look at me like I had a plague. Now it's just commonplace. Oh, he's just being precautious. I can put it on. But I don't want to anymore. I go out to cut grass. My wife tells me you should be wearing a mask because your allergies will flare up. Yeah, but I don't want to wear a mask. I can't breathe. I want to work the way I want, how I work, and I don't want to wear a mask. And I don't want to look like I'm sick. So I'll just go out there and suffer through it. We'll make it work. Nose running, stuff coming out, all that kind of stuff. I survive allergy season of 2023. Bring on 2024. But whatever God would bring about in the, in the time to come, maybe even months or years to come. God, I don't know that he's necessarily going to separate the church and keep the church from going through that. As a matter of fact, if you go read about the early church, he separated the early church. And he did it through persecution. You see, if you wanted to blend in with the rest of the world, you could compromise your belief and your call. And you could escape the persecution. But God has called us to be separate, even in this climate. Called us to be different. Called us to stand out. Because somebody is looking for someone that's been separated unto him. This world is looking for somebody that doesn't respond like everybody else. Looking for somebody that can go through some turmoil. Go through some struggle. Yet say, I've got the peace of God. The Bible talks about the peace of God that it passes, surpasses, it's superior to, it goes beyond all understanding. You see, when you've got the peace of God, you don't have to have everybody joined around you and everybody else in common with you. You don't even have to have everything going the way that you wanted. You can have all adversity against you, but when you've got the peace of God, it doesn't matter what comes. Fire might come. Sickness might come. Pain might come. And mark it down, it will come. But when I've got the peace of God, all I need to know is I've got God. And it's in times like this where you gather together. Anybody ever come to a church, a gathering, a small group, a Bible study or something, and you felt down, but when a- after you got in there and the presence of the Lord began to move, the presence of the Lord began to flow, and sometimes some, maybe some worship went up. Maybe there was some ministry that began to take place, but all of a sudden it was almost like everything that you were going through began to just fade off in the distance, and the only thing that you could see was the Lord. You see, we have to learn to separate from the cares of this life. We have to learn to separate from things and to separate unto. You see, the separation isn't just about leaving something behind. 
Separation also means that I've got to be separated unto. I've got to be going somewhere. You see, if you're not separated unto the Lord, then you're always going to go back to where you came from. We can separate from problems. We can separate from turmoil and anguish, even, even the anxieties and thoughts of it. But if I don't separate unto something, if I don't separate unto God, if I don't get connected with the peace of God, the strength of God, with his virtue, if I don't allow that to flow through me, I'm going to go right back to those cares. I'm going to go right back to those problems. Or I'll be just like like Israel was when they left Egypt. They left Egypt. God did so much in separating them. Imagine being in the place of Egypt and there's plagues. And God makes division between Goshen and Egypt. What's going on in Egypt isn't happening in Goshen. And you live in that. And then God calls you to come. The death angel comes over, but you're separated with the blood covering. It doesn't come into your house. It doesn't touch your family. You leave out of Egypt with a high hand. You get out to the Red Sea, and here comes Egypt. But that angel that led you to the Red Sea doesn't just stay in front, but then now comes and separates behind you and becomes light before you in darkness to your adversary. Imagine living in that. And then God parts the Red Sea, walk through on dry ground. And then you see that sea swallow up your enemies. Get on the other side. Begin to rejoice, sing, dance, shout. They had aisles. I'm sure somebody would have been running aisles. Somebody would have been doing cartwheels and all that kind of stuff. Doing all of that. Go a few days into the wilderness. And we don't have any water. You mean to tell me you get twisted with God because you don't have water. But your adversary just got swallowed up. They keep going and they don't have the food they want. I don't like this diet of manna. I wish we were back in Egypt. You see, you can leave Egypt physically, but you've got to get Egypt out of your heart. You've got to get the connection with the past out of your heart. It's not good enough just to be healed, but you've got to become whole. There's got to be a separation where, yes, I've left Egypt, but I don't have a desire to go back to Egypt. Israel wanted to go back to a place where at least they could predict and they were comfortable with. God said, I've got to separate you from that. So what did the wilderness do? The wilderness got them away from everybody and everything else. Brought them to a place of dryness to show them what was in their heart. So that when they got to the promised land, all of that was dealt with. I'll be honest with you. I don't like dry places. I don't like the wilderness. God never calls us to walk in the wilderness with companions. He usually calls us to walk in that by ourselves. It's dark, it's lonely. And he says, I've got to separate you. Because there are some things I need to work in you while you're in this wilderness. So that when you come out, you will be separated unto me. But if I don't deal with these things, when you get into that land of promise, 
you're going to carry this baggage all the way in there with you. And that's what Israel was in jeopardy of doing. God took them through, took them through that wilderness for that time. But what happened was they could not get, you want to say, the comfort of Egypt, their own desires and their own plans out. Because when you go and you send 12 guys to go spy out the land of promise, I mean, come on, think about it. You just left Egypt. You've been in bondage for over 400 years. Went through all the plagues, left Egypt, walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. You got a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. You're seeing water flowing out of a rock. You got manna coming down. You got quail that fly in out of nowhere. And you get to Jericho and there's giants in the land. You would think that you've gone through all of that and you would say, if God brought me through, God's going to take me into. And sometimes, and, and I've heard it, heard it from preachers, pastors. I've heard it. Somebody comes into a gathering, service or something. Man, this is the greatest thing I've ever experienced. God took them from one side of the room to the other, rolled them around, tears coming out of their eyes. They, go, they went down in the water, came up, speaking in tongues, all of that. God's done miracles for them. Two weeks later, you can't reach them. You would think an experience would get you solidified. You would think an experience with God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, would get you where you need to be in him. Just an experience. But can I tell you, an experience isn't good enough. An experience is just a starting point. You see, it's got to become a lifestyle. It's gotta, it has to be, become something I live in. And separation isn't just a one-day event. Separation goes on for days and weeks, months and years. That division, and then it progresses and goes through levels. You say, and even... The more power that's demonstrated, the more of God that's manifested, the greater the cost of the separation, the greater the cost of the division. I know in our economy right now, there's all this inflation and all that kind of stuff. But I've come to find out some things the hard way. If you want something good, you gotta, sometimes you're going to pay some good money for it. I went cheap a couple years ago, or we'll say less expensive. I went to a store and wanted to stock up on batteries. And the batteries that I typically would buy, the price went up a couple dollars. And I didn't want to go spend three more dollars on the batteries that I used to buy for a little cheaper. So I went and bought the less expensive batteries. And then, of course, that wonderful time of the year comes around where the children get all these gifts and people purchase all this stuff for the children and they don't send batteries with the gifts. So I've got to become the battery supplier. And so I'm not giving up my good batteries. So I've got the less expensive batteries. Well, they pulled out and what I would do at Christmas time when it came time to break down the decorations and all that, anything that had batteries in it, I take out. And that's what the children get. I had this train set 
and it came with the demo batteries. Those demo batteries came out and they went into toys. I was not breaking open my good pack of Energizer. Not happening. You got the purple demo pack that I have no idea what it was. Three days later, when the toy goes up, we got life decisions to make. So, and time goes on, and I notice, why are there, they, you know, a couple months later, they're coming back. Batteries are dead. I need batteries in this. The walkie-talkies don't work anymore. The remote control car doesn't work anymore. The things that I put batteries in, the mouse doesn't work anymore. And all this other stuff just stopped working. I realize it's my inexpensive batteries. Well, so I had to make a decision. You're either going to buy the real thing or you're going to go through the headache and turmoil of using something else, but you're going to use it up a whole lot faster. You see, the real thing is going to cost you something. The real thing is going to cost. I'll be honest with you. I, I want the power of the anointing of God. I, 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 want, I want the flow of the Holy Ghost to be active and resident every day, every moment. When God speaks, I want to hear it. I want to respond in faith. I want to move in faith. But there's this thing that God didn't take away from me when he gave me the Holy Ghost. It's called flesh. And I'm looking at all of you, and it looks like all of you have the same thing. I don't know about you, but my flesh works very well. Flesh works extremely well. and My flesh wants what it wants, when it wants, how it wants, where it wants, why it wants. No questions asked. But if I'm going to get what God has, if I'm going to become who God wants me to be, the Lord says it's going to cost you something. You have to give something up. You have to let something go. The cross was never meant to be something that was beautiful to look at. Some people got some crosses up there, man. Them things look elegant, pristine, and nice. I don't know. I wasn't there, but I that cross Jesus was carrying, that wasn't, wasn't something polished. Say, look, look what I got. I got me a cross. If, if, if a cross was so easy to carry, everybody would have one. Jesus wouldn't have to say, take up your cross and follow me. He wouldn't have to. If the cross was easy to carry, everybody would have the cross that they would walk around with. We would allow ourselves to even be crucified. Nobody wants to die. Who wants to die out to the flesh? Who wants to give up to the flesh? But The Lord says, if you're going to get what I have, something's got to die. There has to be a distinction. There has to be a division that didn't just stop at the day of creation, but that's alive and working in your being and in your life today. Scripture says, come out from among them and be Sometimes it's a whole lot easier to travel with the group or to have a group of people surrounding you. But what, what happens when you're a party of one? 
What happens when you are the minority, or at least you feel like it? You end up like the prophet. He talked to, I believe it was Elijah. He said, he told the Lord, I'm the only one that's left. I'm the only one serving you. I'm the only one walking with you. You got all these prophets of Baal, and I'm the only one. God, I'm the only one in Annapolis. God, I'm the only one in Anne Arundel County. I'm the only one in Glen Burnie. I'm the only one in this community. Yeah, sounds good. Nice little pity party that God isn't showing up to. Just send you a little notification. Just want to let you know that you might feel like you're the only one, but I've got another five or 6,000 sitting over here that I'm still working in. But see, what you're in right now, you feel like you've been separated, and yes, you have been separated from all the false prophets. You have been divided from all of those that oppose me. But are you on my side? Because when you're on my side, you find out there are more that are, that, that are with me than those that would oppose me. God never called the church to be in the majority on the outside. I mean, come on, 500 people saw, above 500 people saw Jesus ascend to heaven. 500. What happened on the day of Pentecost? Come on, what wasn't that experience? Jesus ascended, went up. That was not the first miracle of any sort that they saw in Jesus. He fed multitudes of people. Multitudes. I wish the Lord could take my Mike and Ikes and multiply. I don't want to go into the store. I mean, I was I was devastated a couple years ago when those things went from ninety nine cents to a dollar twenty five, and I was in one store and they had it on the shelf marked as ninety nine cents. And I went up to the register and it was a dollar twenty five. And I almost I almost said some words. You know, I, I think I should get this for ninety nine cents because back there it said ninety nine cents, but y'all are charging me an extra quarter. So can I get my money back here? I felt like I was being a little petty, so I left it alone. Lord, taking, you ever pray that when you eat, Lord, take this food, multiply it on my plate, especially the good stuff. Jesus, he, he, he multiplied the food, fed multitudes of people, healed people on the spot. There were some that as they went, they were healed. Miracles, signs, wonders, time after time, he, he did all that. 500 people saw him ascend to heaven. Somewhere around 380 people didn't make the trip to Jerusalem. Why? Because they weren't separated unto. They weren't with the rest of the crowd, but they weren't separated unto. You see, when you find yourself in that lull where you're away from what the masses are doing or away from what the public is doing, but you're not separated to God, you're going to go back to what you once knew. You're going to go back. To where God did not call you to go. He said go to Jerusalem. And wait for the promise of the father. You can't go somewhere without separation. You can't be who God has called you to be. Without division. He called Peter and Andrew. To leave their livelihood behind. He called James and John. And they left their father in the boat. Sometimes you're going to have to leave family behind. If I could be 
transparent here. Every so often, I've kind of posed the question in my mind to the Lord. You see, I, for how long has it been? 21 years? No, not 21. 11 years, I'm sorry. 11 years. I was in ministry out of this location. Ministry out of here. Bishop says, I want you to go to Baltimore. I want you to go help ministry there. And from that time, I was never part of ministry here. See, my family was here. This is what I knew. This is where I grew up. And I could say, you know, God, was, was there something wrong with being in ministry here? He said, it's just that, and at least from what I know and what I understand, and I don't know that I have the whole picture of it. But this was a place of development, but for wherever else I'm going to take you, it's not going to be here. You're going to have to separate from everybody. God, are they living in sin? It's not always a sin thing that brings about separation. Sometimes sin isn't the issue. But what's more important is where God is taking me. Sometimes we magnify what God has called us to leave more than where God has called us to go. We place more of a focal point on where God is calling us from instead of looking at where God is taking us. And yes, I know we don't always see where God is taking us. But if God said go, what's more important is that I go. And I don't look behind with, with, with regret, with envy from where I've come from. Because we could end up like Lot's wife. I don't want to be turned into something that I wasn't supposed to be. Because my heart is still in the past. If my heart is still in the past, then I can't go forward. Paul said this, he said, forgetting those things which are behind. It's amazing. God will forgive our sin and God will forget our sin. But we don't forget. God doesn't, and that's unless you have something happen or unless you have selective memory that you learn how to forget things fairly well. Somebody tell you to do something, oh, I, I just forgot. Sometimes I wish I had selective memory. I could just forget some things. Didn't I tell you to do this? Yeah, you told me. I wish I could say, you know what? I forgot. I can't remember. I would have loved that with my, with my parents when they told me to do something. And I just didn't do it. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. So not only do I have to leave things behind, but I've got to let it go in my mind. I've got to let it go out of my spirit. If I could just say this right now, I believe God's talking to somebody here in this place tonight. There are some things that you got to let go of. There are some things that God is calling somebody to separate from. There are some relationships. Say, is it a bad relationship? It doesn't have to be a bad relationship. But maybe the Lord is saying this relationship is not going to go to where I want you to go. There are some experiences some have gone through and you replay them over and over in your mind and they kind of haunt you sometimes. But the Lord's saying, it's time for you to let that go. Sometimes we've learned how to cast cares on the Lord, but we haven't learned how to give him the past. We've learned how to let go of the sin, 
But we haven't learned how to let go of the experience. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. He said, in reaching forward, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. It's kind of hard to press forward when you're still trying to reach backwards. God's saying, I'm trying to divide you from your past. But what we look at in the past is so valuable. You know, it's, it can be hard to let a loved one go when it's time for them to go. It can be difficult. But again, Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. You see, I don't let go of anything by myself. He gives grace to let go. God always gives grace to let go. I've just got to choose whether I want to receive it and go forward in him. Because when I choose to let go, God is always present. You know, God wants the best for you. God has the best intended for you. Always. God didn't call us to live in regret. God did not call us to live in regret. God God called us to live in hope. You see, when you live in regret, that's the only thing that you look, that's the only thing we do is look in the rearview mirror at what could have been, what used to be, what might have been, what didn't happen. And when you always look at that, then you always try to overcompensate for what didn't happen. You're trying to make up for the loss, make up the difference. And then in that place, I can't display my weakness and his strength can't become perfect. But when I let go of that past, and I look forward to what seems impossible. He says that in your, in your weakness, I can become strong. Because you let go of that. Now you're in me. And when I am in him and he is in me, his strength becomes perfect. He gives me the grace to walk in and to walk through. He can make me into what I ought to be. Because I let go, because of the division, because of the separation. The world says, no, separation is not a good thing. Everybody should be included. Everybody should be on the same page. But in the church of the living God, he says, no, everybody is not going to be on the same page. But when you're in the body, we can all be joined together. The world says, if you're down, then we're all going to be down. If you're up, everybody ought to be up. Everybody should be, this should be a place of equality. Well, I'm glad that the church isn't just a place of equality. Because when I'm down, I know somebody's up. When I'm having a hard time praying, there's somebody that can see the way that's praying. When I don't know the way, there's somebody that can come along and shine a light. And say, let me help you to walk. When I don't have strength, there comes a brother or sister along that says, come on, I've got you. I'm going to help you through this. You're not by yourself. I'm going to ask you to do this here. If we could. Was this mine? I'll take it. Clean up my own mess. I don't want to be, you labeled a, he made a mess in there.
If you've got something that's come to mind here in the last little while, that you know that the Lord has been working, and that I can say this to separate you from, and that separation would work in this manner. One, it could be something that God is trying to provide healing over, situation from your past, something that you could even be going through right now. Maybe you've got some turmoil, some anxiety, or even a struggle. And God is using, working through that situation. But you're having a hard time yielding to the Lord. But you do want to be separated. You know, and I, I, I can say this. Some of the, we go through struggles, but just because we don't pass with flying colors, that doesn't mean that my heart's not in it. Doesn't mean my heart's not with God. Like I said, it's hard to die. I don't want to give up my way. Lord, I want it to look a certain way. I want it to, I want it to end up a certain way. God says, I'm not going to give you control, and I'm not going to allow you to be in control. But if you know that there are some things in your life that the Lord wants to bring some separation from because of where he's taking you, I want you to stand. And don't all do it all at one time now. I know it ain't just one person. Man, I don't know you. I kind of watched you sitting over there in the middle of holding the children and all that. I don't say anything to boost any egos or just to blow air or anything but I, I really sense the hand of God on your life if I can say this I'll put it this way I, f- I sense a drawing of God pulling you out from some things and drawing you to where he wants you to go if I could tell you this don't try to predict the course don't try to take control of where you're going but yield to the Holy Ghost Yield to God and where he wants you to go. Sometimes you're not going to see but just the next step. And that's fine. But if you would allow God to take you where he wants you to go, where you'll end up, you never would have imagined you were there. You probably wouldn't even imagine you'd be here today. I don't know. But I feel such a, a strong drawing of the Holy Ghost in your life, your spirit. For all of you that are standing right now, Abraham called Lot to leave Ur of the Chaldees. Separate and leave everything behind. I don't know what God is calling you all to leave behind. But if I could say this, God's calling is greater than your past. Where God's taking you is greater than what you've gone through. You can say, well, yeah, he's taking me to heaven. No, not, not just that. But I believe that we're going to see fruit fulfillment here on this earth and in this life. But if we could do this here, if we could, and, and our prayer is going to be, Lord, I'm yielded to you so that I can yield. If I could just give you this real quick. In my yard, side of my house, I've got a fig tree, sister, right? 
And for the first couple years of living there, my mother, she would come by and visit and say, Wayne, you got a fig tree in your yard. I say, yeah, that's great. I don't care. I don't like fig newtons. I didn't pay it any mind. And then for a couple of years that happened. And then one year, actually, I think it was 2020, my neighbor was driving by, and I had met him in passing. And he pulls over while I'm out there, and he says, hey, Wayne, that's a fig tree in your yard. You know, like the fig tree in the Bible with Jesus? So I, you know, I kind of perk up, you know, hey, this might be you know, evangelistic opportunity, you know. So he, told, he said, you know what you should do? He gave me some tips and all that kind of stuff. So I, I said, well, maybe I'll pay attention. I didn't listen to my mother, but, you know, neighbor comes, you know, have a greater purpose. And uh, that year I noticed I got figs on the tree. I didn't know anything about figs. The only thing I knew was fig newtons, and I hated fig newtons. So I paid attention, and figs came up, and that year I got just a, I got a handful of figs because I found out that the birds really like them, and so I only got a handful of them, and I took them down to my neighbor and said, Look, I got some figs for you. He popped that bag open, pulled a fig out, and just started eating it. He said, here, you want one? I'm like, you don't wash it off or just pop it out? It just, okay. So after that, I paid attention. The following year, the figs started coming. So I'm, uh, I'm going to get a little crop here. So I got it as they came to, as they got ripe and all that, picked the figs off and I sent them on down to my mother and she did some wonderful things, making fig jam and all that kind of stuff with it. And then I tasted one. I said, you know, this, this isn't half bad. Can't get the rest of my family on board with it, but you know, that's fine. And yeah, they are very nutritious, very so, last year, the, the figs, I had noticed in the text, I had communicated with my mom. And about that time, last year, I, the figs weren't getting ripe. And we had some conversation about it. And I'm looking, I'm like, they're, they're not getting ripe. I don't know if there's something wrong with the tree. And she said, oh, it'll come. It'll come at the right time. And she said, the way that you'll know, the birds will let you know. And what happens is, is when those figs get ripe, the birds descend on that tree. The birds wake me up every morning. And about 6.37 o'clock, I'm out there chasing the birds away, grabbing my bag to get my figs. Well, I didn't do anything to plant that fig tree. I didn't do anything to get those figs to grow. Year after year, I just show up. And there's a yield that happens because of what's been put in the ground already, because of somebody else's labor. Can I tell somebody here tonight that you just need to stay in the process of where you are? If God pulls you out and separates you from some things, that's all right. But he's going to allow it. If you would yield to him, you're going to yield some fruit. You're going to produce what he would have you to produce. Would somebody here just close your eyes and raise your hands and for a few moments? Would you tell the Lord, I yield to you. I yield to your way. I yield to your plan. I yield to your process. Lord, even if it's outside of my timing, I yield to you. Lord, even if it's outside of what I want, when I want it, I yield to you. Lord, I give in to you. Lord, this may not be the manner that I want it. 
but I yield to you because ultimately it's the fruit that you would produce. It's what you want produced in my life. Lord, whatever you have to separate me from, whatever you would lead me to, however you would call me to walk, whatever that path or that journey looks like, Lord, I walk that road, I walk that course. Lord, even if it's not a sin issue, Lord, I won't, I won't even allow it just to be a sin issue. Lord, it, it could just be a weight that I don't recognize. But Lord, I lay aside every sin. I cast aside every weight, every hindrance, every distraction. Lord, and I set my eyes upon you. I forget those things which are behind. I separate myself from those things which are behind. And I reach forward in you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, oh, just for another moment here. Will uh, somebody make that your prayer? Lord, I'm yielded to you. If you're next to somebody, you feel to connect or pray with somebody, why don't you reach over with them and begin to pray? In the name of Jesus. Lord, as an individual, I yield. As a body, together we yield. Marana yea ki arona roki arana Marie ha corona roko yea rana Marana roki yea corona roki asata Lord if you can use anything you can use me however it is that you desire to do it Lord you produce what you desire to produce I give myself, my heart, my mind, my spirit. All of my being, God, I give to you. Lead me, Lord. Direct my steps. Order my steps. Guide me, God. Direct me. Lord, I say yes, even if I don't understand. I say yes if I don't know the way. Lord, I say yes if I'm not comfortable with it. I say yes, Lord. Lord, you shift and you move. You cause for the right things to be aligned at the right time. In the right season. At the right time in that season. Cha cha ra na ra ra ki ya ra na ra ra ki ya ra na ka.